I hold, I visualize every morning. I sit in meditation. I visualize, you know, where where I want to go with the company, what are my purposes with the company and where I want to be. And most of the time it, it turns out pretty well. I think success is defined differently for everyone, right? And at the end of the day, if I can see that I put my best foot forward for what I was capable of that day. And I think that that's something as humans, we need to be really forgiving of ourselves because every day is different. Our body's gonna feel different every day. Our sleep is different every day. We got all sorts of other factors, you know, affecting us in our day-to-day -day lives. And, you know, how do you feel today? And what can you do to make it the best day it can be, given the circumstances? Hi, I'm Chris Whiteout. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold. Say yes to adventure. Say yes to living it. All right, welcome to Living It with Chris Whiteout. I am joined today by my good friend, Missy Kelly, who is the co-founder and CEO of Cat Tongue Grips. We're gonna get into what Cat Tongue Grips are, but she just has a great story about being an entrepreneur, starting a product, starting a, a company with a product that really had a tremendous need, but then has gone in a wide variety of different directions. I mean, it seems like this is the genesis. So Missy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. It's an honor. I'm excited to chat with you today. You know, this is going to be really fun. So I was looking at it when you were, when, because the, the whole cat tongue grips started with your husband, Matt, who had a phone that was slipping, had a case on the phone that was slipping. So you're breaking it. So he put, what did he put? Uh, the skateboard tape on there, like the sandpaper, basically like adhesive sandpaper that created some issues. And yeah. Where did it go from there? What what did you end up doing or what did the two of you end up doing? Well, that that is what you you create, you know, you spoke about um, the initial part of the story is when Matt walked into a Verizon store to upgrade his phone, he just noticed how slippery it was. And he of course made a comment to the salesperson and she tried to sell him insurance, of course, and he didn't want another bill, but the light bulb went off. And he drove to a nearby skateboard shop here in Park City, Utah, where we live. And we're originally from San Diego. So part, he, Matt grew up in the skater surf, surfing culture. So he's like skateboard grip tape, that'll solve my solution. So he, or solve my problem. So he literally just put it on the back of his phone. And later on that day, it was that night, I said, you know, what do you have going on here? This feels like a cat tongue and it's gonna scratch every surface of my house. You can't have it on the back of your phone. And Matt said to me, he's like, you know, I really like having a grip, but it does, it's kind of scratchy in my pants and I am kind of worried about it. And so he challenged me to find something like it online. We couldn't, so we decided to make it. And that meant sourcing out a manufacturer and pitching them our idea. And they actually had never seen anything like it. So they decided that they would get their scientists on it and make us a product. So in, in some ways, like this is, this is your blue ocean, right? This is, there's nobody else in the industry. You saw a need, you found a way to, to fill that need, but you, but you don't necessarily have any, any competition. Did, did you recognize that in the beginning? And how did the, 
how did the idea of like, we're going to turn this into a business happen? I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it. I think when you're in it, you don't recognize any of what you just said. You're just living the day to day. We are excited about creating a material. We um, wanted it to feel good in the hands. We wanted it to not pick up hair, lint or dirt. We wanted it non-abrasive because that was the key to the skateboard grip tape. And most of all, we, we also wanted a sustainable product that would be good for the environment that, um, so, we were able, as about eight prototypes later, it took about a year and a half. So this was in February of 2015. So it took about a year and a half to get the material right. And then we had to figure out how to print on it. So, and we launched our first product, the phone grip in November of 2017. And like anything, once you launch a product, it almost takes on a life of its own, really. Um, because from there, we were, people said, hey, do you have bigger ones for laptops and tablets? And sure, let's create one. And then the, the probably the biggest turning point for us with our company is when customers started reaching out saying, hey, can I use this on my slippery tool handles? Can I cut the phone grip and do that? Can I put it under furniture? Can I use it on a water bottle? I had a woman ask me, my son has ataraxia and he uses hearing aids. Can I cut it into tiny pieces so he can grip his hearing aids easier? And that was when it was, wow, okay, we have a material that people want to use for a wide variety of different things that they have trouble gripping. So that's when we created the non-abrasive grip tape. So it's our patented material on a roll that the customer can literally cut and put it on anything for which they need to get a grip. Well, in some ways it's kind of, it's entirely different, but in some ways it's the same kind of thing as like, as duct tape, right? I mean, it's like duct tape throughout history. It's like, oh, well, you, you, just, you just fix it with duct tape, right? If you have duct tape, you can fix it and something breaks, okay, you fix it or whatever. But this is, this is sort of that same kind of idea, but in a totally different medium, a much cleaner me medium, no residue, uh, having grip, the cat tongue part of it, now you said about Matt's skateboard thing, that, that it felt like a cat tongue. Did you know, did the light bulb go off at that point that, that that's what you were gonna call this thing? You know, it, it, soon after it wasn't, it, we just, when we started to uh, really go down the path of creating the actual product, um, we initially, yes, me naming it Cat Tongue Grips, that was from the get-go. We thought it was catchy, different. Um, it's early in the, that early in the alphabet was something from podcasts I'd heard is good <laughs> and unique, different. Um, and, you know, from there, we went into the marketing side of creating a logo, which was in itself uh, a whole new, um, you know, set of issues, I guess. And, so yeah, I think from the, it was from the beginning. That really was, I would say, yes, Chris, that was the moment that it was, this feels like a cat tongue and it's gonna scratch every surface. And then when we first got that material, it's still a super grippy. It's not, it's not scratchy because it's not abrasive, but you know, cats do have a tongue that is somewhat, um, you know, it's, it's scratchy like sandpaper and maybe I don't know how many of your listeners even know what a cat tongue feels like but cats do have to clean themselves with their tongue 
And so it's grippy and gets off debris and stuff off their fur, right? So um, I think if you don't know what a cat tongue feels like, uh, it's people, most people do know that it is grippy. And so that resonates with the customer and the name. Well, it is catchy. And that's the funny part about coming up with a new product too, right? Is that you, you get a name and you're like, okay, we like this. Will other people like this? You know, that's, right. that's the, the challenge, right? And you sort of float it like you're thinking out loud, like, yeah, we're thinking about calling it cat tongue grip and people are, you know, and what's, what was the reaction that you got from people? Well, it, what was interesting, so in this journey, once we had the material, we had our first prototypes, it was before we launched, you know, we were really, we wanted to go all in with this. So we did a focus group and we had three different uh, groups of people, those with who were case users, those are non-case users, and we had a millennial group. And our first logo was, it was a, and I'm getting into the logo story, I guess, was a, um, it was kind of what, what has been now dubbed the term, the scary kitty. So it was a cat face with a tongue on it coming out. And out of this focus group, people loved the product. There was no, no, no question there. Absolutely hated the logo. I mean, it was, this is, looks like Halloween. This is scary. What are they, these people thinking? And you know, and that's what you're saying when you're in the weeds of your company, we kind of liked our skater style, you know, um, aggressive kitty, if you will. Aggressive is kind of a, a soft term for what the focus group called it. But, and so that was what we got out of the focus group is like, okay, our messaging is great. Our product is great. Logo absolutely has absolutely horrible. So we had to go back to the drawing board and really figure out a logo. And my other two business partners were saying, hey, we like the logo. And I was saying to them, but you don't get it. We have a focus group and every person hated it. So <laughs> let's listen to the focus group. And it was really interesting how um, they said, okay, but we're, we're going to print on all this, find us a logo in a week. I'm like, okay, I'm always up for the task. And we ended up using a company called 99designs. Many of your listeners might be familiar where you put out um, a project and different designers from all over the world get to bid on it. and at first I was getting nothing. I was getting discouraged. And then this logo came across and I said, hmm, that one has potential and showed it to my co-founders. They liked it too. And the scary kitty was put to rest. But that's the hard part about creating a business too, isn't it? That you're involved on all levels, that you're creating, you're creating the logo and, and you might have a vision in your head of what this logo should look like. It sounds like you had a vision initially that you wanted yeah. this to be skater oriented yeah. and you know cartoony and kind of and kind of aggressive, as you said. But that can be really hard, right? The idea of like then, okay, this one doesn't work. How do we go and create another logo? And did you know? Did you know right away when you looked at this one logo? I did. I, I mean, I, much of what I do is on gut. You know, I think to be a successful entrepreneur, you really have to be attuned to those gut instincts. And it was immediate for me. You know, I, I knew in my gut, this is it. And, you know, thankfully, because we started with the phone grip, which was 
in the customer or the cellular industry, right? But our product has evolved to seven different products and we've become a gription company. So basically anything for what you need to get a grip. And it was interesting. So from the get-go, that logo, the, the one we have that we decided on resonated with me and it's universal for everyone. It's not just targeted to a specific younger market or an older market. It's, it's universal so that it's for every person. Now, I was laughing as you were talking about getting a grip, everything you need to get it er, er, for everything you need to get a grip. Is that what you said? You know, but I'm thinking, I don't remember, but maybe <laughs> something like that. Yes, exactly. So, it was, but I'm thinking like, well, literally, right. So, so the literal grip that you can grab onto your thermos that you can grab onto your coffee cup and, and it probably works into the figurative side as well, right? I mean, can you get a grip? You know, is Cat Tongue gonna help you get a grip? I guess this is some of the- We like to say one of our taglines is get a new grip on life. Because sometimes, especially now, um, I'm sure we'll talk about how our products have uh, really become a life hack in the adoptive community. And that is something that we never dreamed our product, you know, something so simple for my husband as, solving a problem of his slippery phone could actually be a life hack and improve day-to-day -day living of a person's life. So that's super cool. Yeah, no, that is that is definitely cool. And I wanna to get to that, but I wanna take a step back as well, just because we've arrived, we've gone logo, we've gone, idea, well, we've gone idea, we've gone logo, we've gone product, but the steps that you had to take, I mean, you said there were eight iterations. How did you, how did you kind of wade your way through to one, getting to somebody who could actually fabricate this? Right. So having the different prototypes, you know, it, we started with the uh, skateboard grip tape. This is not what we want. We want something non-abrasive, but it still had to be grippy. So it really took trial and error to, to get that feel just right. And I do remember being, um, you know, you, there was some frustrations along the way. Is, is it, this isn't it, this isn't it, you know, and over and over. And then getting the sample in the mail um, from our manufacturer and opening it up and my husband, Matt and I looking at each other and it was, this is it. And that was just this moment of, wow. But so we have the material, but now, we had to figure out how to print on the material. And that was a whole another set of issues, I would say, because we started in printing on top of the material, but it that was slippery. It didn't work for us because it, it would take away the grip. So we figured out through many different processes how to um, you know, print so that um, underneath, but again, so that ink would adhere and we could have the adhesive and all the other components that go into making an adhesive grip. Yeah, but how did you how did you get to your manufacturer? Because I mean, and this was sort of exciting that for was, them. Wasn't that was it? a lot of Google. <laughs> Is that, that how was it was? You just sat on your computer. Yeah. And said, yeah, yeah. You know, my husband Matt. That was that was him. All you know, looking at different people that manufacture non-slip. And, you know, a lot of trial and error there too. And finally, um, you know, non-abrasive is not, um, we are the only non-abrasive 
grip tape on a roll available in the marketplace. So, um, you know, it was really doing something new and blazing our own trail. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Yeah, because as you're mentioning that, I'm trying to think of other things that are sort of similar, like you had like hockey tape back in the, which was sort of that sticky because it was, and it was residue basically, right? I mean, it was like some sort of glue that was the adhesive that would, right. would stick it to it. But on the other side, you could have the sticky part of it and it lasted for a period of time. And then it wasn't sticky anymore, whereas yours continues. And yeah, that's just, to me, it's the interesting part of like, how do you, how you have an idea and then how do you find somebody that has the ability to, to manufacture it and also the interest in manufacturing it because I'm imagining you guys were really relatively small. You're not thinking, well, we have, yeah. we have accounts that are, they want a million of these, you know, so it, which the manufacturer goes, okay, I can see what I can do, but. <laughs> I agree. I mean, that that's a beautiful thing right there, what you said, um, because the key there is they believed in us, they believed in Matt and I, and they believed in our vision for what we wanted to do with the product. And it, our relationship has been incredible ever since. So um, I think it was truly finding the right partner that, um, that saw what we saw and wanting to make it happen for us. As far as the business side, what was your background that you said yours and Matt's that said, let's go into this. Let's create this. Did you, did you have a reason, you know, did, yeah. did, was it a relatively intelligent decision for you to go into this business or was it? No, nope. it was, no. let's make it, let's see, let's see what happens. And I mean, that is truly, we looked at each other and like, let's make it, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. If you have, I mean, it was really, if Matt has this problem, it's gotta be a lot of other people that have a similar problem. So I didn't realize how many people, which is great. And, um, but yeah, no, it was really, um, it was naivete in thinking how hard, how hard could it be? <laughs> which I think was saved us because I don't know if, I mean, three and a half, well, I mean, from the time of launch, it's three and a half years later, um, you know, it's been a turbulent, awesome up and down crazy journey right so never could have dreamed it'd take us here to where we are and still going well i'd imagine you're excited about where you are right now if you knew now or if you knew then what you know know now would would you have jumped into it yeah, um yeah i think we would i i mean because it's both of us have really discovered just a passion for um, entrepreneurship and Matt, Matt's always been an entrepreneur. I come from an entrepreneurial family. So um, what was great is my husband and I have been married 23 years and along our journey, it's he's come up with some ideas that I've said, mm, I don't think that'll work or mm, I don't know about that. Whereas with this one, it was game on, let's do it. So um, it, I was on board from the get-go. Wow. So in part of it, so, so I'd imagine, I mean, you were on board from the get-go. And what was your vision when you did that? One, you're filling a need. 
was it as simple as that of like, we're filling a need or we're, as you say on your website, you want, you want to help millions of people. Is that mm -hmm. something that's evolved or is that something that you thought early on? The purpose of helping millions of people has always been the spark from the get-go. So, you know, it, we launched with a cell phone grip, you know, and there's over 6 billion people on this planet. You know, I, I don't, I don't know this, that stat, but I venture, you know, I think it's that I don't even know, I should know the stat, Chris, but I don't off the top of my head, but think about how many of those people actually have a cell phone. Even if you're in a third world country living, you know, not in an urban, very rural, we're talking maybe even huts, these people have cell phones, right? So you think about how many people have cell phones. So that's millions of people of helping their, their phone not just slide out of their hand or in their car, on their workspace, uh, you know, the, how many people crack their screens every day. And, you know, our, our product from the get-go, the purpose was to help prevent that. So we were always, I, I would say we, and I was always, that was always my purpose is to help as many people as possible. I never knew though, as we went on this journey, we've gone on this journey, um, the impact that the product could make on people. That has been a true surprise for me. Well, it's interesting that you talk about developing countries because everybody does have a cell phone, but a lot of places it's easier to put up a cell tower than it is to lay phone line. And so everybody does have a cell phone and it's, and it's a small little, like, here's mine, the one revolution one on the back, which is really like the size of a credit card mm -hmm. on the back of your phone. And it does, it sticks on my, like for me, like getting into my car, it's one of those things that's super helpful because I can put it on the dashboard and it'll stick on the dashboard and it won't slide off or whatever. And I can't always reach to the most safe place to put my phone, but you, you watch it happen and it always happens in slow motion, right? Just the, the phone slipping and sliding, you're like, no, 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 don't, don't. And, and invariably, you know, then it shatters and you think, okay, now my life has shattered. And, but, but, <laughs> but I think it's relatively easy for people to get into it too, right? I mean, it's not an expensive item as well. No, no. I mean, our first product, the cell phone, $12.99, our most expensive product is the non-abrasive grip tape at $19.99. So um, yes, very affordable. When did the, when did the idea of, of women's ownership come into, into the company as well? You know, that was from the get-go too. Um, Matt, uh, he, he, he never wanted to run the company. He kept saying, we need to find someone to run the company and then we'd be going and then slowly it evolved that I was running the company. And so he found that person to run the company in me. And um, so, and we, I had a dear friend who uh, is involved with WeBank, the Women's Business Enterprise National Council. And she had said, you know, you should really look in to getting WeBank certified. You know, you're, you're running the company. Um, there's a whole network of women-owned businesses that help each other, lift each other. 
And so we structured the company from the get-go that um, I would be majority ownership and would run the company. What is what does WeBank look like? I mean, it looks it's a supportive it's a it's a it's an organization that provides some support. How often or how do you meet with other people or how are you gaining resources? Yeah, so WeBank is a national organization and they're a certifying agency for minority-owned business. So um, it's an application. You you can't just say, hey, I'm part of WeBank. They, it's an actual, it's a process. It's an application because they want to truly make sure you are a woman-owned businesses because there are advantages, uh, or not advantages, I would say, um, yeah, there's advantages to being a woman-owned business in that companies, larger companies do put aside funds specifically to do business with women-owned and minority-owned businesses, really to help level the playing field out there, um, you know, to give minority-owned companies uh, a shot at the table. And, and it's, it's information, but also there are some grants as well. Yeah, no, so the WeBank, there's, um, there's there's different regions, and so where I am in Utah, it's We Back West. There's um, I, I, there's about seven maybe different regions associated with We Bank, and so being part of We Back West, we have our events where we get together in person. There's also different programs, um, education opportunities, and then the national organization. Um, Pre-COVID, there were two events a year. Uh, one um, called the Summit and Salute, which is held at different cities around the country, and then the larger event where they have a trade show actually at it of women-owned businesses, and different corporations are coming who have supplier diversity programs. That's held once a year. So it'll be fun once uh, the world is opening up a little bit more to be able to get together again, because the relationships I've made and even the... Um, the opportunities that have been given to us have truly been fantastic. And do you have like your mentors that you go to? No, it's not mentored. It's more networking. It's more networking. It's more being able, um, a place for corporations to know that a company has been vetted as women-owned and that they will, at, at the events, matchmake. So if a corporation is looking looking for a certain type of procurement, then they can be matched with a woman-owned business that offers that service. Okay, perfect. Well, that sounds, that sounds very cool. And, and so you are a, a woman-owned company, a, an entrepreneur with an idea, and you are off and running. And what does that feel like when you are off and running? Because how many, how many people are involved? Matt's involved in the company, still your husband. What was it just the two of you to start? Yeah, it was the two of the us to start. Yes. And we launched on Amazon exclusives in November of 2017 with the phone grip. And then um, we soon partnered with US Ski and Snowboard. We created a custom similar to the One Revolution custom grip that you have there. We created a US Ski and Snowboard cat tongue grip. And it happened to be an Olympic year. And they sent 300 of those to the Olympics to be included in the athlete goodie bags. And from there, customer or uh, companies started reaching out. Hey, we'd like to brand a cat tongue grip with our logo. So that actually opened 
a new channel of revenue for us, which was pretty exciting in the custom side of things. Well, I'd imagine that that's how things start though, right? Is that you, you have this great idea, you're plugging along, you get in with the US Ski and Snowboard Organization and, and Association, and, and all of a sudden that, that just changes your level, right? You go to a different level and then people are coming to you right. as opposed to you hanging out with your, with your sandwich board saying, hey, we've got a great, we've got a great product right. here, come join me. And that gave us the opportunity to go to US Ski and Snowboard events and bring our tent and samples. And in the beginning, we were um, we had a Plinko board. You remember that game from The Price is Right, Plinko? So we had a Cat Tongue Grips Plinko board made where customers could win a, a phone grip. And we started noticing at these events, the line would be 20, 30 people deep of people wanting to win a phone grip and it was pretty easy to win. So we gave out quite a few samples and that was just proof of concept in itself, how many people were interested in the product. And then the events were normally two to three days. And then we'd have customers coming back to us, telling us how much they loved the product. So it was definitely a little of R&D at the same time early on um, at the events when we were first launching to be a, there is proof of concept and people love it. And, and it's, you need that encouragement though, as you're going along, yeah. don't you? That, you know, you're like, I think we have a good idea. I think we have a good idea. I hope people like it. And then when people like it, you go, okay, okay. We are doing the right thing. We're going in the right direction. Yeah, at first it was like, really? You like it? <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know, we like it. I'm glad someone else does too. <laughs> I'm over that shock now, you know, three and a half years in and, you know, seven products later, but it was definitely super fun in the beginning, right? Because it's not, I mean, we did it, it, it prior to COVID. So it was about two years. Uh, we did over 34 trade shows. So a lot of testing the market, just getting out there, talking to the customers. What do the customers want? And I mean, we have been a customer-driven company from the get-go because all of our products that we've developed have been in response to the customer need and telling us what they want to see. And you have to enjoy that part of it though, right? The it. trade show part, you do. I do. Matt, for me, I love being out there, you know, boots on the ground, talking to the customer, um, I, I love people I, and for me to be out there really hearing what the customer needs, what, what their wants are, how they're using the product is just, it fascinates me. Every day I learn a new way a customer is using the product and that is just so cool. Things that I would never have thought of. Is that how you ended up getting into the adaptive community? You mentioned this earlier. Yes, indeed. I, at another event, it was a Spartan with um, the Spartan events. Uh, they run the obstacle course events across the country. And we were at a Spartan event in Lake Tahoe uh, in September of 2019 and actually happened to meet you at that event. And we had had um, our cat tongue grips. We did a Spartan cat tongue grip that were in the goodie bags for the VIPs and for the VIP athletes, I should say. And we were there and um, it was really interesting. I remember vividly my conversation with you, Chris, when you told me you had, you had gotten it in the goodie bag and you told me, you know, 
crap falls off my lap all day, every day. I can really use this product. And I was thinking, hmm, that's interesting. I'd never, you know, thought of that. You know, when you're in a wheelchair and you're getting in a car, non-slip is extremely important. And so it was interesting because not only, it was about a month after um, I had met you, I was at another event and met um, a, an artist friend, and she's now a friend who's in a wheelchair. And she had told me that um, there was a, an organization called the Abilities Expo, and they do about eight, uh, eight, eight expos in cities across the country. And she said, you know, you guys might think about going. And because I really think this product would do well in our community. And we went to our first one in Dallas, and that was in December of 2019. And we had no idea what to expect. We didn't even know how many people would be showing up. We just knew we, we had to be there. And we brought, it was one box. It was, we had four, about, you know, like 60 rolls of tape and we had the phone grips and we had the uh, laptop grips. That was, that was the products line that we had at the time. And we sold out of the tape in two hours. And it was, wow. So I had my daughter FedEx us five more boxes <laughs> and um, for the, to get us through the next two days. And we sold out of the product by the end of the weekend. And it was something that I really learned that people who have to be adaptive or people in the disability community are incredibly creative because they have to be. They have to figure out a different way of living than an able-bodied person because things are much harder in their day-to-day -day life. So they would come by our booth and see the tape and already their brain's going, oh, I can use that there, 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 there. I need it. It wasn't, what is that? Like, what would I use it on? Hmm, tell me about that. It was instant that that person needed the product. And that was really, really cool to see. And then we had the same experience when we went to LA that February and then during COVID, we participated in the virtual events and we've just found raving fans in that community. Well, it's funny because the dynamic you're talking about is completely the opposite. It's like you asking the customer how they plan to use your product mm -hmm. as opposed to you educating the customer on Definitely. how to use your product. Yeah, and we've learned every day. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I remember you were telling me about your foot plates and I've used that to help um, other people. And I've learned about the, um, the tubes on a chair and telling, you know, so when, when I learn, then I can educate. And it's, it's just this amazing relationship of give and take of, you know, this is how I'm using in the product. And then as a company, we can share that out in the marketplace and help more people. First, I had no idea that that I was the first one that, that I kind of started the adaptive you part. You did. No yeah. <laughs> that is really funny. I'm glad you that did. that's you, the case. you are an important part of our story for sure. Because <laughs> I would have have not had a clue. You know, and we talked a lot about, you know, the different things that you would use the product on, even your hand cycle and you know, the foot plates and in the car and on the laptop and, you know, your coffee mug, all these different things. And it was, uh, wow. Yeah. If Chris could use this. Think about how many other people could too. Yeah. And the laptop I think was the real eye opener for me just to have 
to have that grip on the laptop to be able to put it on your lap because invariably that's the thing like you you walk around and you're holding on to your laptop mm-hmm. whereas i'm pushing around and so if i go around a corner that slippery laptop goes flying off of my lap and then who knows what happens to the laptop and that can be a huge problem Right. And even with my mom, she suffers from arthritis and has hand mobility issues. And for her, she's been able, she puts it on um, some of her nice kitchen knives, just a little bit of the tapes. So she has more grip on that. Even underneath, she was one of the first people to tell us about a cutting board, putting the tape or using our gription pad under a cutting board. So when you're cutting, it's not sliding around on the countertop and uh, how to, um, awesome girl. She's she's a roulette in Los Angeles. Her name's Connor. And she used to always cut. She's in a chair and she would always cut, take the cutting board into her lap and cut that way because the cutting board wasn't stable. So for her, she's just become this fan of the gription pad because it's made her life in the kitchen that much easier. It's amazing when it starts, it starts opening up your eyes and you don't like your mother, you don't have to grip something hard. You don't have to have grip strength because this is effectively adding to your grip strength. It's mm-hmm. giving you that, that grip that's going to adhere that thing to your, to your hands and without being, without being sticky, it's not like you have to go and pull mm-hmm. it out of your hands afterwards. How do you go, because you said you started with Amazon, then you started going to the expos and, and you're in a variety of different locations now, right? I and mean, you're in Walmart. We are, we're launching in Walmart in 101 stores next month, actually in May. Um, and we are launching on QVC here coming up in um, our air date. We haven't gotten it yet, but the product does leave our warehouse next week. So that should be coming up in the next month or so as well. And um, we're on the Gromit, which is an online um, retailer. Um, We're on a, in a catalog called Starcrest, which is more for the senior community. And the tape does very well in that catalog, as well as the Amerimark Healthy Living catalog. So for us, uh, 2020 COVID for us that year was really um, buttoning down, getting to work. Um, for us, it, we really, you know, I think I mentioned we were at all these trade shows and we were traveling. And for us, COVID, it was an ability to be able to be home, but also be in an um, environment like this and Zooming with different buyers. And we were able to establish quite a few relationships last year uh, and now you know, exploring and diving into big box retail in 2021. So super exciting. What's the relationship with the big box like? Are are they like your customers where they're telling you this is something that we need or are they just just purchasing orders? We need we need a bunch of the cell phone ones. I think that big box has been, you know, um, so far it's been a a great experience for us because they had in my meetings last year, um, you know, most of the journey. And that's one thing I do like to tell entrepreneurs too, that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh, Relationships take time to develop. And, you know, I had met um, a great man named Michael Byron. He's the supplier diversity uh, um, employee for uh, Walmart. 
and I met him at a WeBank event. And he absolutely, you know, loved the product. I had done a pitch. Uh, I was part of a pitch contest and there are quite a few corporate members there. And he was in the audience and the next morning he was at our booth wanting to learn about the product. And so from the get-go, he was a champion, loving the product. He um, enjoyed Matt and I. And from there, um, we just, you know, started that journey and, you know, keeping in touch, sending samples. And then we did um, apply for the Walmart open call for our phone grips. And um, that was last fall. And we were chosen for the Walmart open call. And so now we're heading into Walmart with the phone grips and the laptop grips. And that will be in, like I mentioned, May. However, with QVC, it's a different product. You know, QVC was interested in the non-abrasive grip tape, something more for, um, you know, not in electronics, more do-it-yourself, more to help seniors and those um, with disabilities and, you know, being able to reach a wider audience than just um, the electronics. So it is interesting to see, you know, different retailers, how they resonate with the different products. So it's been pretty cool to see. What is the open call with Walmart? Uh, Walmart, it's, it, you apply. So it's an application to um, be able to meet with a Walmart buyer. And they take, um, I think, oh gosh, I, the numbers, I could be completely wrong, but I think they, they had about 9,000 applications and they took about 2,000 meetings. Then we were a part of that. And then they accept the Yeah, so then, and then you... It, you have the opportunity to meet with a buyer. It's not, we want your product. It's you have the opportunity to showcase your product to that buyer. Right. So it's just, it, it just gets you in front of the buyer um, where you might otherwise not have that opportunity. So you're, you're applying to some really exclusive colleges effectively when you're getting yeah. in this Walmart. I mean, this exactly. Walmart. That's a good exactly. way to see it. Yeah, exactly. And um, we have been, so those are two, we have quite a few other big box in the hopper as well that we haven't officially onboarded though yet, but um, the conversations are really positive and it's looking good. So um, the plan is to have cat tuck grips available to anyone that wants and needs it, you know, in every local store that they happen to shop in. And have you watched the Jennifer Lawrence movie, the QVC movie yet? You know, I, I tried to get my family to watch it the other night and my um, my son, his suggestion won out, I guess. We watched Fast and Furious, but uh, <laughs> um, but that is on the, that's on the list for this weekend. So I'm super excited about it. Yeah. And I love that Bradley Cooper's in it, Jennifer Lawrence, it's got a great cast. It does, and it's a great story. I mean, it's a heartwarming yeah. story. I mean, so many of us love this sort of David and Goliath kind of story, right? The the woman who's down to her last penny or maybe past her last penny. Right. And, and suddenly QVC launches her, so. Are, and that is, that's not, and you, I mean, and that is something interesting too. So um, I have a buyer that I have been working with and she's part of a national big box chain. And she um, said to me, you know, I love your um, grassroots approach, <laughs> which, and that is, you know, I'm one woman going after the big guys and it's working for me so far. And um, I've had positive experiences and, um, but we're not a huge company by any means. And we have a team of 12 and um, 
you know, we're, we're doing what we can to get our product out there as quick as possible. How does that happen if, if it does happen, right? I mean, you know, if the QVC thing blows up, if it, if, you know, Walmart. When it does, Chris. When it does. When it does. Well, that's my question is, are you, are you prepared for that? Are oh, yeah. you prepared for the. We are. You know, the, the spanks we are, which is, like which that. is really awesome. We actually were approached by Good Morning America about a month ago and um, to be on the deals and steals with uh, Tori and the, um, on the show. And what they did was they showcased Cat Tongue Grips to a national audience. And we had an incredible day and it just showed how being, being able to broadcast to a national audience, the demand and need for our product, because when it sold out on Good Morning America, people actually went to Amazon to buy the product and they went to our website to buy the product. So that was super exciting. And what it showed us too is for our launch on QVC, it was almost like that trial to see where our cracks are, where we can do better in delivering and be 100% prepared for QVC. And they have purchased the product, they brought it into their warehouse. So um, we're excited on going on national television and again, sharing the product with um, the public in not just, you know, GMA was about a 12 second little blip and for eight minutes really be able to talk about the product and how it can help people. Right, exactly. So the manufacturing is is lined up to be able That's to. That's ready. Yeah, we put the systems and processes in the in in place pretty from the get go um, to be able to scale. Um, you know, we've had time to really iron out all those systems, and yeah, we're we're just about a well oiled machine. I wouldn't. We're we're just about there. We'll we'll be there. I'd say in about two weeks with everything inventory, everything up, everything ready. Um, we have GMA was definitely um, an experience in in how our inventory, all of our lead times to get those kinds of numbers and volumes, and to really know what you know when we're talking national, where we have to be to be ready, and we're ready. Is there anything that keeps you up at night? Um, keeping me up at night. Actually, I'm a good sleeper. <laughs> I tend to I tend to shut off my brain about eight o'clock. I need to. I love sleep, and I kind of know how my body works that way. Um, I I go, you know, all all systems of charge in the morning and throughout my day. Um, you know, we. I tend to want to be um, proactive rather than reactive. So to anticipate issues that will arise. And you know, the one you touched on probably is keeping up with demand and inventory. And that's something that we've really been able to iron out over the last few months. And if, if you would ask me that question two months ago, I would say inventory lead times, but we've got that down and we, we're ready for it. Wow. So is this is, is so it's what it's been three and a half years, mm -hmm. three and a half years that you've been working with Cat Tongue Grip. Is that the basis for then coaching other people because you're working with Pinnacle, right? And and coaching yeah, other people yeah, and, and, um, and exactly. So Pinnacle Global Network. Um, I work with Allison Maslin, and she's my mentor. And along with her, uh, we have several mentors within her organization. So we actually do work with a business coach 
And it's been instrumental in, um, in our success and our growth and being able to scale. And it's been, um, I have found that I really enjoy also helping other entrepreneurs and from the mistakes that I've made. And so with Pinnacle, um, I run a mastermind group of um, a round table, if you will, of entrepreneurs where we um, you know, discuss their challenges. And as a group, we work through and try to provide solutions from our own experiences. And it's really, it's beneficial in the way that as an entrepreneur, you're in it, you know, you're in the weeds every day, you know, dealing with different issues and dealing with scaling and dealing with your partners, where it's really nice to have, you know, someone to bounce off ideas with who has a bird's eye view of your business, can really see it in a holistic way, where to, at times it's harder, I think, as the entrepreneur ourselves to see it that way. And, and sort of unemotional as well, right? It's just sort totally. of, totally, yeah. this is this, this is that. And you're like, but no, but I love that. I love that. Yeah, like it's like the scary out. kitty. Exactly. <laughs> like the scary kitty logo. No, <laughs> we may have liked it, but no one else does. <laughs> and that will be a problem. You yes. have to educate everybody on how to like your logo. Exactly what's the experience for you? Because your, your help, I mean, one, you have, you have a coach yourself Two, your coaching people. How does that process work and benefit you as an entrepreneur too? Yeah, I think that um, as entrepreneurs, we're always growing. We're always learning. I I'm always reading. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm always trying to figure out ways to better myself um, to improve mindset. And um, I think that everything that I've learned, I found it's, um, I've learned a lot. And it, it feels good to be able to pass on, you know, some of my knowledge to others. And if it resonates with them, great. And if they, they can take one nugget out of what I say, if that's going to help them, then that's awesome. Does that process reinforce what you've learned? as you've been working through Katon Grip as well? Definitely, because, you know, day to day, I, I learn as much from the my mastermind as um, I'm sure they learn from me, right? It's all about collaboration and bouncing ideas off. And it's, it's pretty exciting when you can, you know, think, oh, wow, I didn't think of it that way, but of course, right? And again, being in the weeds, sometimes um, it takes that, outside outside uh, view to really see what you can't see that what's right in front of you. Yeah, and it's also, it's a challenge sometimes, isn't it? To be able to articulate it to somebody. You know what's happening, but sometimes there are gaps in, in, in how you've seen it and you have to be able to fill those gaps in order to communicate it to somebody else. Definitely, and I never really thought about I mean, this, I take this as it comes or you hear it, but I never really thought that I had anything really valuable to share, right? I mean, I'm just doing what I'm doing and, you know, I'm pushing forward. I have my vision of where I want to go with the company. And it, it's really cool to know that people do want to hear what, you know, what we've learned and, 
you know, what, what keeps me up at night and how I deal with issues and how I work on my mindset and, you know, how important that is on a daily basis. And um, it's really gratifying to share that with people and, and see that it helps. Well, there, there, are two, there potentially could be two sides of the interpretation of the business, right? The one side could be, well, you came up with a great idea. You know, you were, you were lucky. You were in the right place at the right time. And then there's the other side of, well, you built this business. You happen to have a great idea, but you built this business. And where do you feel like you fit in, in, in between those two scenarios? And how is the evolution working? Yeah, no, um, I'm grateful you know, for this journey, that's the truth. I mean, every day, um, you know, I think that as entrepreneurs and as humans, really, every day doors are open to us and it's whether we are open to receive, right? And, you know, I know through this journey, it takes hard work, it takes perseverance, it takes grit, and it takes a, a mindset of for me, it's focusing on my vision and not the circumstances because the waters are always going to be choppy. I mean, yeah, you can have the smooth water, but then the waves come or little chop. There's always going to be um, curveballs that life's throwing at us, right? And it's how we react and respond to those. And I feel along this journey, I've definitely grown as a leader, I've grown as a businesswoman. And um, I've grown as a mentor to others, which is just really, really cool. I, it's something I never expected. And, you know, when I started this business um, with Matt, you know, I'm 48 years old. So I was 43 in my 40s, uh, you know, doing, uh, helping my husband in his real estate business. I was you know, raising and still am raising two kids, a mom. And, you know, what my life, the turn it's taken in the last five years, I could have never predicted. It's really cool how you just never know what's around the corner. You don't. And I would imagine that you take pride in that part of it. I'm sure that, that you take pride in the, in the idea, but in the day-to-day -day is, is probably <laughs> where you take your greatest pride that you've had successful days without necessarily saying, you know, we Definitely. had a million sales today or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think, I, I think to have a successful product and business, it just, it can't be just about the money, right? It has to be, it has, for me, Cat Tongue Grips has a greater purpose. And that is helping people in their day-to-day -day living. And for that, I call our business, she's a she, <laughs> that she's got this, she's got this mind of her own too. And, you know, and we never know what's around the corner and the opportunities that exist and where we're going next. But that's what's been so exciting for me in this entrepreneur journey is the people I'm meeting, the people I'm helping, how I'm growing, you know, even with every challenge that presents itself and then getting through that challenge and learning from it so that it doesn't happen again. And knowing I just grew even more as a business owner. Is that, is that some of what appealed to you? I mean, sort of like looking back on it, this, this holistic kind of approach. There's a product, mm -hmm. but the idea of helping people, the idea of, 
of growing, of being on this journey? I mean, obviously you were on a really significant journey. You know, being a mom is, is, is probably the most significant journey that you could ever be on in your life, right? But this is an entirely, this is a different and probably similar uh, journey. Yeah, I know. Because when you're birthing, yeah, we birthed the product, right? And it is, it is something, you know, with the business, with the company, with Cat Tongue Grips is, you know, it's three and a half years. And it's been, you know, if you think of the seeds that we've been laying for the last few years and the blood, sweat, and tears that goes in and making sure that when those little sprouts come, they're being nurtured, they're being watered, and then starting to see the bloom. And that's where we are now are these big, beautiful blooms. And yeah, and just, you know, continuing to nurture that, grow that. And, but what I didn't expect is how much that I would grow as a person through this process. And that's been really cool and, and ongoing, right? Ongoing. And, and I'm imagining there were there were difficult times along the way, which oh yeah are, are part of it though too, right? Yeah, that really it's a journey. Good from the bad, and it is this journey. And and in some ways, I often think that the journey is actually the reward. It sounds really strange, and it sounds like something that should be you know sort of new agey kind of thing. But, but when is. we look back on it, we go, that's the stuff that mattered to me. That's yeah. that was important. Was was finding my way through, was solving that problem, it gave me an opportunity to feel like I was better as a leader, I was better as a business person. Is your sense of community, have you always had sort of a sense of community? I mean, women-owned women -owned business, uh, being able to help a lot of people, has that been a driving force in your life? Um, I, I've always had that aspect, yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, networking, being part of groups. I've always been active philanthropically. That's a big part of my life. Um, I served on a board in San Diego when I was staying home up with my kids um, called Angels Foster Family Network. We placed babies with privately screened foster parents. And so, yes, it's always, I've always had that desire to, um, to help and to, and I've always been fulfilled in the giving, right? And that's always something I believed in is that you have to give to get. And, um, and it just, it lights me up to be able to find a way to help others and maybe, you know, less fortunate than I am. And because I am so grateful and that sounds somewhat new agey too, but I am so grateful for this life I'm living. I, I have a really good life. I live in Park City. I have a wonderful family and yeah, we get our share of challenges, but that's just part of life. Um, but I'm just grateful for what I have and who I'm on the journey with. And then incredibly grateful for this, this opportunity with our, um, you know, our products to help even more people on a massive scale in a way I just never dreamed, never dreamed. <laughs> it's really amazing. To make it much bigger, did, where did that come from? Do you think was that is that part of your DNA that you that you you've always wanted to to help and grow and 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 give somebody a lift up? Has that always been the case? Did you get it from your parents? Did you get it from some mentor? How how did yeah, that originate? You know, I, I definitely think I grew up in a home where it was important to um, to be aware 
of those less fortunate and to help in the way you can, whether it's time, money, whatever, whatever it takes. You don't always have to give money. It's, you know, giving time to volunteer. That's, that's equally as valuable, right? Um, so probably, yeah. And then I think over um, just, like I said, being 48, just my, my husband and I love to travel and we've traveled the world and we've seen um, you know, places in the world where, you know, I think half of America don't even know exist, right? Um, the way some people actually live their lives and actually truthfully are happy. You know, they just don't know. I mean, we've been in um, the Soweto uh, in, in Johannesburg and we actually supported a home in Johannesburg of AIDS orphans and um, I took my daughter to visit there. So it's always been important for me to, to show my kids that there's more than this, what you're, what you're seeing right here and what you're living right here. It's very important for, especially in today's age, for teenagers to really know that you've got it good, <laughs> you know, and for them to have a sense of gratitude. For them to have a sense of gratitude, but you also mentioned something about seeing the happiness in people and it's it sort of, you didn't, you didn't expound upon it but it sounded yeah. like some of the simplicity possibly. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, getting up, I think that, you know, happiness really starts within here, right? And, and knowing who you are and actually um, really liking what that, who that person is, right? And I do feel that it does a lot, um, you know, we live in a very fast paced, culture here um, in the in the West and, you know, in the US and any sort of, I think, developing, or, or I'm sorry, not developed, developed nation, you live in a very fast pace, what you're going to get here, where you're going to get next. And it's, it's more like what you're saying, it's less about the journey and more about the station where you're going to land, right? And I feel like, you know, when you travel and you really see other cultures where that isn't a value as much, it's more you know, family and community and who you are here and how that resonates with those that you um, are working with or, um, you know, living with on a daily basis. So I think that's important to travel and to see other cultures and really know that the way we live, it's not, it's, it works for us right here, but it's not necessarily work, it wouldn't work for other, you know, cultures in the world. No, I mean, I think it is a challenge, and I think it's a challenge in the U.S., right? Where I mean, we live in a in a town, Park City, that is a lot of high achieving people, mm -hmm. and and the difference between one and another is probably a an incremental difference, but it's a difference, and and as a result, it feels easy to they it feels like you might not be keeping up with somebody else, that you might be falling behind, that you're you need to work harder to get here, to get there, and losing sight of some of the some of the essential elements of life, that interaction with other people, that sense of family, that sense of a sense of being as well, mm -hmm. you know, the sense of quiet and 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 it can be really challenging because we can feel compelled to be on the to be on that on that treadmill all the time. And that's for me, that's something that people ask, you know, what do you do to, you know, stay balanced or centered? And, you know, for me, it is that spending time with nature. I know when um, I'm starting 
I can just about feel if I'm going to go into overwhelm. You know, I, I tend to, I can handle a lot, a lot on my plate, but I can get to that point where the plate's kind of, uh, you know, tipping a little bit. And for me, that's really saying, okay, I need to get outside. I need to go, um, you know, on a hike with my dogs alone and just be in quiet with no phones, no nothing, turn it off. Um, and just like you said, just be for a bit um, in the quiet of nature and, um, you know, just with myself and my thoughts and with nothing else to distract me. That's what definitely brings me back to center. Is that some of, cause you've, you've learned a lot through, through the business. You've learned a lot through your travel, through your philanthropy, through your assistance of a lot of, a lot of different organizations and different entities. Is that what you're teaching your children? Trying to, yeah, definitely. You know, teenagers, I think, so yeah, That's you know, both of them, they're alpine ski racers, both of them. And they, um, I think, A, teenagers today just live in a completely crazy world, right? Which we, we can't even begin to understand with, um, you know, the technology and the Snapchats and the this and that and whatnot. Um, and for them, definitely, because I can see um, for both kids, they're different. I mean, my daughter, she's very high achieving and puts a lot of pressure on herself. And I can start to see when she's tipping a little bit and she loves, she spends a lot of time, or at least pre-COVID, she'd volunteer at Nuzzles & Co, which is our um, pet rescue. And for her, that was probably one of the only places where she didn't feel in competition either with herself or with her teammates or in school or whatnot. It was just for her being with the animals and helping them and taking care of them. That was it for her, right? And I recognized that early and I could see when she'd start to vibrate and spin a little bit, it'd be like, why don't you, why don't we see if you, there's a shift at nuzzle so you can go. And she'd, she'd go and then she'd come back just a totally calmer, different person. So that was really cool to see. And if my son, I really see that him see do with his friends do that for him. What's your what's your daughter's nickname? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, she's a well. Her name is Ava, and um, well, because she was uh, uh, she's always been somewhat little, and so she, her nickname was Peanut for a long time. Um, but she's very uh, she's got a. She's, she's a mighty mite, let's put it that way. And so it used to be spicy peanut. And then as she's gotten older and not quite as little, still little though, but she's the spicy tiger. The spicy tiger, <laughs> the yeah. spicy tiger. okay. So this is grounding of the spicy tiger. The Yes. <laughs> Bringing her more to the kitty level, right? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's sort of like a film transformation, right? She's yeah. a spicy tiger out there and then returns to that tiger striped exactly uh, so, exactly how about so some of the other things that you're doing i mean it's kind of interesting just how you end up in places right so you so working with aspen magdalene uh which is can you describe what that is and how you ended up getting connected with them yeah, you know, that's a new connection with me. Um, so the Aston, Aspen Magdalene House in Salt Lake City, um, they are to support victims of human trafficking. And what is crazy to me, the stat, I had no idea that Utah is one of the states with the highest incidence of human 
trafficking. So that was pretty eye-opening for me. And um, a, a business colleague of mine um, asked if I wanted to serve on an advisory board um, for the newly formed Aspen Magdalene House in Salt Lake. And for me, um, you know, before I dive into something, I want to learn about it, read about it, know a little bit more about it. And I was I was pretty shocked at those statistics. So um, yeah, helping them get their marketing message out and just get established. And um, yeah, it's been gratifying so far. So human trafficking and sexual exploitation, right? And right. It, you know, I, I don't feel like we feel like that that would happen, sort of in our in our. No, and it happens to men and women too. You know, that's what's interesting. It's it's not just happening to women; it's happening to men as well. And it sounds like a big part of what you're about is is creating an environment in which people can thrive. Yeah, that's an interesting way to say it. But yeah, I'd say that you captured that well. <laughs> well, I've been trying to listen as we've been talking. You know? Yeah, paying attention there. <laughs> but yes, no, thank you. That's that's something I would say is definitely true. And 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 so so this is certainly a group of people. It's eight to ten women who are who are at the at the house at any period of time, right? And are, right. Are, it gives them that opportunity to recover. It gives them that opportunity to to learn learn a craft, learn a you know to, an and application. It's a safe place, right? It's a it's a safe place where you know when you've been through that kind of experience, there's all sorts of emotional and traumatic things that have happened, and I think it gives them a safe place to, uh, like you said, to recover. To recover, but then also to be safe when they leave right and and to have and i think that that's the that's that's the majority i think all of us just you know in any endeavor as humans that we take it's important to have uh, support right and i think that that's what appealed to me with this organization is they're offering support to uh victims that really the majority of I'd say Utahns don't even know that this exists, right? So it's it's a it's a it's a support network, and I think that that's what you mentioned, like with coaching. That's a support, and even for my own business, I need support through mentorship. I think as human beings, what whether you are recovering from trauma, you're starting a business, you're you're a kid that feels lost. You know, we all just need some sort of support. Um, and someone to lean on and know it's going to be okay. Right, and especially in those most vulnerable moments. Mm -hmm. uh, I was I was speaking at one point recently with someone who who was the victim of of domestic abuse and was leaving, and she said that when you when you leave that relationship, the two weeks afterwards are when you are most vulnerable. And there's probably, you know, a, a, you know, a corollary to, to so many other parts of our lives. It's probably not, you know, not exactly similar, but, but that, that that transition is often when we are most vulnerable as well. For sure. For sure. Yeah. No, I, um, we, um, my daughter, Ava and I like to volunteer down at the youth resource center down in Salt Lake city. And it's a resource center for majority, it's homeless youth. 
And the majority of those kids have aged out at the foster system. So once they're aged out, they really don't have anywhere to go. They don't have support, they don't have money. A lot of them haven't learned skills for a job. And that's what the Youth Resource Center does is provide that. And that's, that's what appealed to me again with the Aspen Magdalen House is providing resources for um, people, these people that don't necessarily, I mean, like a chunk of their lives have been taken from them, right? And they don't have the resources. They don't have skills. They have skills. They just don't know what they are. So they, ha they haven't been able to discover what it is, what trade or, you know, what, what kind of job, what kind of passion they have. So it is that opportunity to discover and have that support to help them make it happen. Yes. And it sounds like in some ways it is that you're helping them to recognize their value. Is mm -hmm. that fair? I think that's very fair. Yeah. One of the things, I mean, it, it, it's funny to talk to you because talking to you, it all sounds relatively easy. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you kind of had an idea and you, and you went through and you, and you did this. Uh, you know, and, and it's all working out great and everything's going in a great direction. But I think that part of that is, is based on how you attack your problems. You and I connected in, at, at Squaw Valley, right? In September, I was actually, it was, it was right around my birthday. So we, we, my wife flew out, Jean flew out and, and we celebrated my birthday there. But we were talking about the idea of of fear and, and, and how, how the role that fear can play in our lives. Mm -hmm. What is, what is the way that you interpret fear? How does it, how does it benefit you? How is it a detriment? What, what's your, what's your relationship with fear? Um, I heard Sarah Blakely, um, founder, owner of Spanx say it really well. And this is something I live by is Courage is not the is not courage is not the absence of fear. It's action despite fear. And for me, that's something um, I live by. It's I laugh and you'll know when I say it, it's living in the uncomfortable zone. And for me, everything I have done, I'd say from the moment we launched this product, and maybe I could even go further, but we'll go with the moment I launched this product. Everything is new. Everything is different. Everything is uncharted waters. So is there fear? Yeah. You know, when we started, is this going to work out? Are people going to like it? Now it's, you know, wow, this is, this is happening. Right. And, you know, even being on a podcast or like what we're doing now, is there some, hmm, you know, yeah, at the beginning it's uncomfortable. You're like, oh, and then we just settle in. You're like, oh yeah, this is okay. Right. And I don't think you can grow as a person without putting yourself in those uncomfortable positions. It's very easy to live just, just comfortable. Right. But how boring is that? You got to be able to step out and challenge and and fall on your face if necessary. I mean, it, one hilarious story, and I don't think this had even happened. Actually, it probably had happened when I met you. And I mentioned meeting a uh, supplier diversity um, representative, Michael Byron, and how I met him was I did a pitch contest to at it was a WeBank pitch contest to over I think there was about three hundred 
corporate people in the room and I had my 90 second pitch and I was wearing a wrap dress. And I walked up to the stage to do my pitch and I'm in the middle of it. And I glanced down and I see that the bow has come undone of my dress. <laughs> and I literally looked down and of course, distraction, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how is it all, is it gonna open? Like, you know, all this stuff going through my mind and I completely spaced my pitch and I stopped and I, and then I, I somehow threw sentences together. It wasn't what I had. And I walked off the stage and my husband later on asked how to go. I'm like, I bombed that. Oh my God, it couldn't have gone worse. <laughs> I thought my dress was going to open. I forgot everything I was going to say. I don't even know if I made sense. I mean, I was just like, wow, did I just bomb that? Hilarious. The next morning, Michael Byron is at our booth at 8 a.m. I saw your pitch. I go, oh gosh, you did. <laughs> I go, don't. And he's like, no, no, I don't think it was as bad as you thought, but I'm curious about your product. So something I thought as an absolute complete failure, right, is wasn't as bad as I thought. Nothing ever is, right? I mean, unless you're dead, it can't get any worse. I mean, it can get worse. You can be dead is what I'm trying to say. But I mean, there's always, a, there's always something to come out of it, right? And for that, now from that relationship, actually that bombed pitch, we're now going into Walmart next month, right? So there's a gift in what I thought was a complete failure. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say is, was that uncomfortable? Heck yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> but it all ended up being okay, right? And I think that I always say to myself when I'm doing new things or putting myself in new, new situations, what's the worst that can happen? They can say no, you can fall on your face, you can get up and then you can just try again. And is that is that the message that you tell other people? Because the thing is, you totally got the the speaking part wrong. Like you're supposed to imagine the audience in their underwear. <laughs> totally. To <laughs> totally. Thankfully, it was all fine. It was, but it was just that thought, that distraction, right? And that, you know, blank. I mean, standing up there on the stage and just having a complete blank. That had never happened to me before. <laughs> But it's something you could use too, right? I mean, this is like the honesty of the whole thing can be the most powerful part sometimes to be like, can you hold on one second? Because I think there's a possibility that my dress <laughs> is going to open up. And I think you would have their attention. Yeah, totally. Hold on. Let me put this mic down and fix this. Yeah. And, and then it was literally, like I said, it was a 90 second thing. You have your light going where you know, the green lights where you're going and then it starts flashing. So there's this time constraint and it's more of a high pressure situation. So yeah, and I didn't know how I was gonna react. And I guess I got enough information in my pitch to capture the interest of uh, a Walmart exec. So that was pretty cool. Is that the message that you tell other people? I mean, because the thing is one, we're talking about business right now, but we're also talking about real life. and. You yeah. talk about starting your business and not knowing anything. Everything is brand new. Yeah, I didn't go to business school. But even like somebody who is, somebody who's changing their diet, 
Like it can be absolutely exhausting to yeah. go to the supermarket and buy things that are totally different than what you usually buy. You're on autopilot half the time. You're like, oh, that seems good. That seems good. Okay, hold on. I can't do that. I've got to go buy this. What is that? What is this thing that I'm looking for? What's the, you know, what's the advice that you could give somebody who wants to create a change? Because effectively that's what you did. It's really taking action, you know, just waking up every day and taking action. And whether it be, you know, if you're trying to change your diet, it's okay. I want to eat less sugar, but I, I think you have to, I think you have to be um, self-forgiving too, right? And knowing that you're going to make mistakes, you're not perfect, you're human. So one day, if you're wanting to change your diet, you eat great. And the next day you're eating every, you know, cookie and cake that you can find. You're just being forgiving. And that's even losing weight and going to the gym, right? And getting that, taking action, getting up and heading to the gym. And maybe you don't feel like it. And and that's with business too. Like, you know, every day is a new day. It's a new opportunity to start new. And someone said this to me recently, is it, is it, um, oh, let me see if I get this right. Is it, um, is it, is it one, is it just another day or is it one, nah, I don't know. I think I'm going to mess it up. But anyway, it's that fact of thinking that, you know, today's day one, every day is an opportunity for day one. You know, the past, the past happened. You know, you can't go just, you know, you change it. In it, right? You can't change it. It happened. What you can change is today. And what you can live in is this moment. And I try really, really hard to be mindful of present moment and not get too caught up in what the future holds or the mistakes we made in the past and just do what I can today to push my company forward, to be the best mom I could be to be the best wife I could be, to be the best friend I can be, because we all make mistakes and some days are better than others. But what can I do today that makes that right? What's the manifestation of the action? Because you say it's it's about action, right? It's taking action. Mm -hmm. What what do you give back from the from the action, from taking action? I for me, um, I get Back. I mean, I think success is defined differently for everyone, right? And at the end of the day, if I can see that I gave, I put my best foot forward. And sometimes it's, it's not very, it's my best foot might be a half inch, right? Some days it's leaps. But as long as you're trying to get, put your best foot forward with the actions you take for the given circumstances of that day, right? Um, Recently, my dogs were in the hospital for four days. It was kind of crazy. They're fine now. They're great. But those were really tough four days. And, you know, and it was what, and what can I do to, I can't change what, what's going on with them. I can just hold them that they're in a healing space and they're going to get better. But I, it's, you know, my sleep wasn't good, this, that, but I put my best foot forward for what I was capable of that day. And I think that that's something as humans, we need to be really forgiving of ourselves because every day is different. Our body's going to feel different every day. Our sleep is different every day. We got all sorts of other factors, you know, affecting us in our day-to-day -day lives. And, you know, how do you feel today and what can you do to make it the best day? It can be given the circumstances. And does that create some momentum when you're Definitely. able to do that? 
For me, it does for sure. I mean, I, I'm, I hold, I visualize every morning. I sit in meditation. I visualize, you know, where, where I want to go with the company, what are my purposes with the company and where I want to be, or, you know, if I have a big meeting or I have, um, interview or whatnot, you know, just visualizing what I want that outcome to be. And most of the time it, it turns out pretty well. You're, you're tapping into some really important stuff, I think for all, I mean, it's, it's the same thing that you'd tell to your kids. Your kids are, are Alpine ski racers and ski racing is a super challenging sport in that you have to be completely committed in the start. You, you don't know for sure how everything's going to go. You know, the, the, this is when all of your demons come to you. It's when your insecurities, your, your lack of preparation, you're never going to be perfectly prepared, but you have to be, you have to be completely committed to whatever preparation you have. But, and part of it is, is this sense of visualization, right? Is visualizing it. Uh, the, I was reading something about Michael Phelps and his, his coach said that he is the best visualizer of any athlete that's out there. And, and his coach would actually sabotage him at times where he went to a big race and his coach stole his goggles at a big race. And it wow. was like, well, there you go. You know, like you can't see anything like go ahead. And, and he would make it more difficult for him. He'd make it so that he missed his meal beforehand. He'd, you know, you create these problems because at some point you're going to, you're going to encounter those problems. And, and it sounds like a lot of what you're talking about is the same kind of thing is that this visualization is visualizing the potential problems that might arise during the day. Yeah. And I think it's what I touched on earlier is just your mindset, right? Um, are you glass half full? Or are you glass half empty? If you're empty, what can you do to get to half full, right? Um, it's, it's about- Because that's really, your job. Yeah. Your job yeah. is to get there. Yeah. As all of us are, right? And so I feel like um, that mindset element to everything in life, whether you're an athlete, you're a business owner, um, you know, you're a philanthropist, every, anything, you're, you're, um, you're really having to hold that vision for where you want to go. And it's similar to what I said earlier, you know, holding, you know, for, for me, I hold the vision and don't focus on the circumstances because circumstances are just, they can be high, low all around, right? That's this journey we're on, but staying steady in the vision and not, and unwavering in your commitment to the vision. And that's what I am. I'm unwavering in my commitment to take this business, this company as far as I can take it and help as many people as I can along the way, um, whether it's new products or figuring out um, different ways to use the product or whatnot, but just really staying committed to my purpose. And that's the ultimate victory, isn't it? Because it's not easy, right? It's not easy. No, because you can have expectation mm -hmm. victories, right? That you're going to sell millions and millions and millions. You're going to be you know, the, the Nike of, 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 uh, of, of, right. adhesive grips of, 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 yeah. of you know, and yeah. so 
you know, I mean, you are the genre. So, so I can't even, I can't even put it into a genre, right? I mean, you are the, you are it right now. Uh, but, but the commitment to your vision is, is really, it's similar to what you were talking about with the journey, isn't it? That, that if you're committed to the vision, you stay committed to the, to the vision as these outside forces are trying to bump you off your commitment to the vision, mm-hmm. then you're, then you're successful. That's the definition of a successful day. It sounds like. Yeah. And I think it's that seeing it, believing it and receiving it. Right. You know, and I think that's something that I can be better at. And my uh, coaches have worked with me on is celebrating the successes, celebrating the wins. Um, my mentor likes to call it the mini feats in a day. It might not be this huge win, but there are many feats that have to occur to get the big win, right? And it's being able to, to not be on to the next thing, but really celebrate, okay, that was big, great. Take it in and then move on. I think that sometimes I have a hard time doing that. How does that help you for the next day, celebrating those mini feats? Yeah, because then you're even more pumped up, right, to get going. And it's time, yeah, exactly. And I think that that's in the, um, in the athlete's world too, right, is celebrating those mini successes, um, you know, you being as an athlete, all those, all those steps to take to win that race, right? You know, it's all, so for so many uh, athletes, it's about winning the race. But what about all the little steps along the way? And maybe it's not winning the race, but the, the, the wins along the way to not win, right? <laughs> That's a whole nother tangent. <laughs> it, it really is. How can, this has been awesome, Missy. Thank you so much. How can people find you? How can they find your products? Well, cattonguegrips.com is probably the best place to go. Um, products are there. You can read about us. Um, we are going to be in Walmart. Um, not, we're testing in 101 stores. Next month, QVC, you can look for us on QVC on the non-abrasive grip tape. Something exciting about that product is we're offering it antimicrobial now. So um, that and that'll launch on QVC. So uh, cattongrips.com. And uh, yeah, this has been amazing. I've enjoyed the conversation. I can't believe it's been an hour and a half. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Well, you have so much, you have so much great stuff to offer to so many people. So thank you. And and just just so cool what you guys are doing and and how how this originated how you ran with it and how you're affecting the lives of so many people so one thank you for joining us but also two thank you for everything you're doing so for so many other people oh thank you so much that means a lot especially coming from you and um it's been an honor to be here for sure Wonderful. Well, we'll get you back again when you get new products or whatever, or taking a new journey. We'll, we'll definitely continue to continue this conversation. To all of you who've been listening, thank you so much for joining us. The greatest compliment you can pay us is telling your friends. Uh, follow us, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all the usual suspects. If you can Follow us if you like us. This will help us continue to grow and hopefully reach more and more people with great stories like Missy's. So thank you all and thank you, Missy. Thank you, Chris. Take care. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to Chris Waddell Living It for more stories on the adaptive community, the Paralympics, artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, experts, 
in the experience of being human. Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.